peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. What's up, guys? I'm here with Matt today. We are going to be bringing you a special edition on the 2021 Tactical Strength and Conditioning Conference presented by NSCA. We had the privilege to go ahead and go down there and show face to the tactical strength conditioning world. It was beyond successful in our eyes. The individuals that we communicated with and networked with was unreal. The amount of people who have supported Softlead and actually understand what Softly's trying to do was really great to, you know, really great to finally kind of pull the curtain back, you know, and not behind, you know, cover us up and kind of see exactly what was going on in that world. And, you know, Matt, I have to say thank you, buddy, for, you know, throwing that out there. Because I mean, you would have asked me to do this four or five years ago, I don't think I would have had the capacity or the language in in terms of communication with these individuals that I did have, right, and have the vocabulary to have very deep, real, genuine conversations. So I appreciate you opening that door for us, man, and getting us into the, getting us in, getting our foot into that door to go ahead and start creating some, some new conversations and open the door to some new, um, some new potential athletes for the tactical strength community as softly. Again, you know, the big thing I found from there was their hit the conventional military. That's that's something that, you know, is close to us as well, but with our name being softly, everyone associates us to special operation programming, and that's what we do. But realistically, if you go ahead and break down the ratios and the percentages of individuals who follow our programming, a very small part of that is special operations. Why? Because in the real world, in our world we live in, there's a very small amount of special operations individuals. But there's a massive, massive amount of people in the conventional military, as well as firefighting, police department, LEO, first responders, that you know, softly starting to to kind of make waves in, and that was something that was really heartwarming to me. Was like, all right, cool. We're no longer just catering to a special a special group of individuals. We're now catering to the masses. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that that was really apparent just from from kind of how diverse some of the conversations we had were. Um, and I know we we will kind of get get stuck into some of that stuff in a in a minute. Um, but just to just to kind of preface all this with if if people aren't aware of who the NSCA or, or TSAC are. So the NSCA is the National Strength and Conditioning Association. And it's like a, a kind of a non-profit governing body that, that oversees strength and conditioning within the US. So right from um, like collegiate to, to pro sport through to kind of working with special populations. So like people who've got chronic diseases and people who are like elderly. Uh, and then now with the, the TSAC arm, which is tactical strength and conditioning, um, kind of the the stuff that you guys are, are familiar with me and George babbling on about. Um, and, and as we said, they, they host a, an annual training event every year, um, which is, is sort of conference based. So normally four days worth of, of speakers um, and like practical sessions and things like that. And then uh, as, as George alluded to, and we'll definitely get into an, an awesome opportunity just to, to meet like-minded people and, uh, and people from kind of like, like we said, really diverse backgrounds and, and kind of, um, different perspectives in this space. Yeah, it was it was interesting, man, and and, and that kind of leads us into, you know, this was our first time working together in person. It, to be completely honest, since you've come onto the company, and 
it was like we've known each other for years. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. Like that was the that was the cool part about the experience in the beginning was like, all right, I'm traveling out. I'm gonna start working with an individual who I haven't worked with ever in person, but we've worked together and spent hours on Zoom calls and conversations and podcasts as if we've worked in the same office together for the last almost full year because you're about to be on be with us for another, almost a year now, right? Yeah. So let's go ahead and give a congratulations to you on that. <laughs> I've survived. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. And I learned actually a lot about you in person in, in, the, in which the reasons why you blended into the company so well. <laughs> and I'm excited to get into some of those conversations. Again, guys, this, this podcast is not going to be all about you know, the TSAC conference and the lectures, because I'm not going to lie to you, some of them were quite dry. And I understand sometimes our podcast when we're doing the Lunch and Learn series is a little dry at times, but that's just how it is when it comes to some of these topics in which we're going to be conversating about in the future, currently, right now. And, and you know, for an example, we just got doing the Lunch and Learn uh, series for uh, central nervous system, a part of the conscious warrior system. <laughs> It, it was a lot of information, and we did a we did a really good job, I believe, of prepping for it, going into it, and we had a little bit of technical difficulties. But our our podcast uh, editor and our audio editor did an amazing job of fixing it for us. So thank you, Nick. He's a big part of the company who allows for you know for all of this to kind of come out, and and he doesn't get some of that credit. So I appreciate you fixing that. But to be completely honest, man, I you know I listened to all three episodes. You did as well as homework, and they're not posted yet. And I had the wife listen to it with me, and. She was like, I think it's great. It's it's all digestible. She's like, it's just dry because of the topic in which you're talking about. Yeah. And I was just gonna it, say, I, th I think it'd be remiss of us though to to not cover some of that stuff. I think it's really important that we we kind of um, we educate the community as well as sort of provide our input and some of the the commentary on that. Correct, a hundred percent. So that's kind of what led us into the, you know this week. Like again, I'm not a big fan of conferences. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's just you know for me, it it's a lot of theory based and that's kind of one of those things where it was just like, I came in with an open, with open eyes and open heart to really kind of, you know, develop this new appreciation for this side of the world. Because again, you know, when you go into that world, it's all about what numbers and are not numbers, but what letters you have behind your name. And, and they don't really look at the experience or the skin in the game. And that changed my viewpoint on, on that this past week was because coming in with, you know, eight years experience in the military of doing a specific job and doing that. And now coming up on 11 years of doing my job as a strength conditioning coach, a human performance specialist has been really cool. And, and, and we're now you and myself, Matt are both coming into our adolescence years of coaching in this profession. And that's, that's a term that I got from Matt. You know, we were talking about that. And, and again, we were having conversations with dudes that have been doing the, doing strength conditioning for 15 to 18 years and legitimately having genuine and, amazing conversations that are only going to help move the tactical community forward. And that's one of those things where I come and look at this idea of micro movement dictates macro movement. That's not just in looking at how someone moves, but that's also looking in terms of the conversations that we have to create a different culture as a whole. And, and, and that's where we've done a really good job of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you say, it's kind of those, those small, seemingly insignificant moments when you're you're coaching an athlete and you you kind of make like a mini breakthrough with them, like they're as important as getting your diploma or your certification or or completing one of these kind of bigger bigger kind of chunks. I think it's the it's the smaller the smaller moments that kind of really add up. Yeah, and that's the big part about that. And again, we met so many people, and and you know we're gonna go ahead and give shout outs to everyone that we've that we talked to that was super open with us. And again, I I I truly believe that we have a very unique 
um, company that it has a lot of independence mm. in terms of how we can go ahead and affect the tactical strength conditioning world. Yeah, I mean, from my from my limited experience, obviously this is what we do here. Apart from the remote side of things, is is virtually the same role as I had in the in the Air Force back home, and 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 this isn't kind of a, a, a dig on on the Royal Air Force at all. Um, I'm very kind of grateful for the experiences and the training I had, but just by the nature of it being such a huge organization, obviously very small compared compared to the the kind of the services over here. But by the nature of being a large organization, it's often quite difficult to to make kind of policy changes and 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 things like that at a like a coal face level. Whereas one of the absolute beauties of of us. Uh, like with the setup we have at Softly, is that the the leadership is so open and willing for us to kind of do whatever crazy stuff we want to do. They're they're really supportive, so we can we can literally pivot and we can be so agile in the content we put out or the kind of the, the projects we chase. Uh, and for me, that's been that's been so like refreshing. It kind of really like uh, really kind of inspires you to to try and think outside the box and, and get creative. And we'll, again, we'll kind of probably touch on this towards the end, I think, but yeah, keep, uh, keep a lookout guys. We've got some pretty cool projects in the, in the pipeline. Yeah, no. And, and obviously this, these projects are going to be very beneficial to everyone across the board, not just um, the tactical community. And that was one other big thing that I had a conversation with, with quite a few individuals was, you know, Hey, what is your demographic of individuals following softly? And, you know, we've done numbers like that in the past and, and you know, right away, everyone's again, like I said, in the past, everyone thinks it's a huge percentage of special operation operators. And it's like, well, you guys would be surprised at the, the amount of, of amazing humans that follow our training program that are outside of the tactical strength conditioning world. And again, we see a lot of parallels with this. And the reason why, and I've said this, I don't think I've said this before in the past, but I look at a tactical professional just as much as I look at a GPP athlete the same exact way. They're both just training for life and death, right? One is put into a position that's a little bit closer to that life or death risk compared to someone else in the general pop, but they're still moving towards that. So how do we go ahead and create a massive uh, buffer between that to allow for someone to live the life that they truly want to live, not in pain, not sick, being able to be an asset. And when we consider it an asset, having value to yourself and those around you. And again, it's the same idea here in the tactical community as well. That's exactly what we're doing is trying to foster that environment. So, all right, enough of us rambling and, and tooting our own horns, but let's go ahead and kind of dive into the podcast today and, and kind of open up with you know our, our guest speaker. Um, man, that was, oh, that key, was a powerful, the, yeah, keynote, speaker yeah, to open the, conference. the keynote speaker was, yeah, to open the conference was, was, a very powerful speech, I guess you can say, or he did a very good job yeah, at storytelling. Almost, almost like, like creating an experience, I guess, like from, from someone coming from someone who's, who's not deployed to a combat zone. Um, you, you it was very visceral. You could really feel you, you could really feel like the um, kind of the the things he was describing. Yeah, that was like a big part of that. You know, when he came in and, and opened that door of conversating and creating this idea of, you know, 
combat leadership, I guess is what you can say is what he did. And, and who we're talking about, his name is Jason Gardner of Echelon Front. The dude's spent 30 years in the in the Navy SEALs. He has nine deployments, five combat deployments. And one of the biggest deployments that he talked about was his time in 2009 to 2010 in Afghanistan. And that really kind of opened the door to my feelings and my experiences just come flooding in because everything he talked about, I had been in that exact position or in those in that world in that environment to where the smells the sounds and the sights all just came into my head again and and everyone's probably like how did you smell something well it's just you have that feeling there's a sense of feeling that when you breathe in an air in a specific place and you know it's not the same of your normal baseline it creates this feeling inside your nose or inside your lungs that really just kind of like I'm not gonna lie to you my my heart rate started to increase a little bit my arousal started to increase like I was back in it and you know he just got deep into a lot of these different types of experience on that deployment and man I was I was not okay because <laughs> you you were can you can you kind of give some some background George I think you yeah. said you were, you were you weren't on his deployment as such but you were in a similar area no. is that right Correct yeah so he was he came he left Afghanistan 5 months after uh, after or five months before I got there. So he left in Afghanistan in 2009, around December, I believe. And first week I'm telling our unit got out there in May of 2010. And again, he was in 2010 and those who have been on that deployment and during that time or whatever unit were in Afghanistan, you knew that 2010 was one of the most deadliest times in Afghanistan. And in 2009 as well, like there's a bunch of huge battles that have come out from that and a huge, a bunch of huge success from taking over, you know, specific areas that led to the the taking over of the Battle of Marja, then then took into the being able to handle and take over Trek now uh, and then moving out to Sangin and doing that in 2010. And I had the I was I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be a part of those kinds of ex- experiences. So, you know, when he was talking about you know, specific types of gunfights, rounds, talking about close air support, when he was talking about IEDs and all these other things, it just really started bringing back um, different ideas. And it was actually very inspirational. I mean, it brought back a lot of places that I hadn't been to in a very long time. Like I, I had new stories come out of my head and memories that I remembered off of just what he talked about. And again, like I said, after the conversation, it was, you know, when he gave that, that, that's that speech and that experience, I, I was I had to go ahead and take a little bit of a break outside and get some air and kind of change the way I was feeling just due to how powerful he 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 sounded like and the energy he put into it. You know, and afterwards I walked up to him and I was like, hey Jason, just I want to say thank you for being an, an individual who will share these stories for other guys like myself. And I was like, hey man, I was in Afghanistan in 2010 with First Recon Battalion and Trek now in Sanging, and his eyes just like got big reached in his back pocket and and shook my hand and he shook my hand and inside of his hand was a it was a coin and we all know how coins are in that realm and that was a very powerful experience because I didn't sit there and be like I want a photo with you it was just like hey man I recognize that you've done some work and I'm doing some work as also and we're trying to make a difference in this world as a as as individuals who've seen those kinds of things yeah, to go ahead and be connection. like hey look yeah and you know eye to eye contact shook his hand he did that and he just like on the shoulder was like keep it up man saying we walked off and that was the cool part about it yeah and, and what what a way to kind of i mean obviously for for george and the guys in the room who who kind of experienced that and, and lived that firsthand it was something else but for for those of us who, who didn't what a way to kind of open up the the week of, of kind of learning education in terms of really giving you a like 
a why, if you like, like why this matters. Um, for, for me, yeah. anyway, that was that was a kind of a really powerful moment. The big word that comes to me is survivability. Yeah. You know, like he ultimately gave you an insight look at the amount of work it takes to survive an environment as such. And teaching that or exposing that to a group of individuals, you know, that are strength coaches that are coming over from the the collegiate world, coming over from, you know, the pro world and jumping into the tactical strength conditioning world is very different. And I get that, like the collegiate world and the pro world, you're, you're increasing survivability for that environment, right? The environments are different. You know, I'm not saying that you can't be killed on a football field or rugby or basketball. I'm not saying that. The risks are a little bit lower compared to the tactical professional when the risks are very high. So it's kind of being able to create that that exposure and that feeling, that experience to be like, oh no, I need to I need to go ahead and look at training the guys in a completely different way because we're teaching them to one survive, two recover from such environments, and three be able to create sustainability and consistency so that they are ready to do their job. Yeah, no, I think I think I think you're spot on, um, and yeah, ho- hopefully as we as we kind of continue to to move this forward as a as a tactical strength conditioning kind of kind of entity or, or, or community, um, I think. I think there's going to be some really good opportunities to to learn from the experiences of those people who who come over from the the athletic world. Uh, I think yeah. we can absolutely push the needle forwards, um, and and again using using kind of examples and experiences and 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 maybe some like indoctrination type training so that people can can get more of a um, more of an insight and understanding into how those two cultures as in like tactical and sport how different they are well and it, op- it opens the door to the pre-conference that they had on on air crewmen right it's it, and that was a conversation we had pre-show was you know how many how, how big is that demographic how many people are really in the air crew position where they have to worry about strengthening their necks of, uh, you know, avoiding G lock, being able to maintain the cognitive endurance or stamina to go ahead and, f- and be in the cockpit and to do their job at such a high level. And I think that a lot of people don't look at them in terms of like, they need special types of training. They need to go ahead and do things a little bit different, not because of, let's say, you know, their everyday life knows because of the job that they're doing and the risk in which they're at. You know, when we go to look at G-Lock and I'll have Matt break that down a little bit more, but those are certain things that we don't have to focus on when you're on the ground. I have no experience in that and what that feels like. Matt has actually had quite a bit of experience working with air crewmen in his past and that was something that we were like, wait a minute, we could totally develop something for air crewmen to where we can go ahead and only increase their survivability and recoverability and sustainability to keep them ready long-term over a consistent stand time, uh, stand period or standpoint. Mm. And that was, that was huge. So I, I think that's something that we do, we do need to cover, you know, when we talk about what came out of this first, you know, this week of presentation was the air crewman focus. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was, um, that was, as George said, that was like a pre-conference event that was hosted by, I, I don't know what your acronyms are over here, but essentially like kind of US military aviation medicine. Um, Correct. I, I, sorry if I've kind of butchered that. It's something like that. Um, but but yeah, they, they had like a um, an evening slot where there was four or five different speakers from different backgrounds kind of 
putting some putting some input into how we can kind of change perspective on on working with air crew and, and recognizing that, that as george was saying that they're, they're quite a, a specific and quite a niche population um again i was i was pretty fortunate in in the uk to be um to be kind of part of the um the sort of the uptick in attention to that so we the, the Royal Air Force had a um, an kind of air crew conditioning program um, that was uh, sort of instigated both for fast jets, so the guys that fly the fly the, the jet fighters, and then also rotary because they're slightly different in terms of their um, like the needs analysis. If you like, if you take the same yep. language from sport, uh, they have they have different different issues, but but kind of some similarities. Um, so it was really cool to, that, that was an area that I, I loved working in while I was, at, I was at home and learned an absolute ton, particularly in terms of kind of the stuff you were just talking about, actually, George, with like, how do you, how do you approach some of these subjects? So I was, a, at the time, I was a corporal physical training instructor. I wasn't a commissioned officer. I wasn't part of like the air crew kind of uh, their, their world. So it's like, how how do you kind of, um buy-in sounds like such a kind of like a clunky term for this but how how do you how do you a find out what it is that you can offer them but also kind of um like make what you're trying to deliver fit into their busy schedule because i mean these guys are flying like sometimes multiple times a day and their schedule is very detailed by by weather and and kind of linking up with with other agencies so it's it's definitely definitely that that whole idea that, that tony nash talked about in terms of like servant leadership although i was leading yep. that those that kind of content you're very much kind of working for them like trying to fit your services in around like when they're when they're good um but anyway sorry to kind of come back to the, the pre-con um there were some really interesting ideas with with regards to um borrowing and learning from performance sport so as an example they had a, a lady who was presenting from the australian institute of sport talking about like how we can learn from sleep and, and travel and things like that to, to kind of um to improve that in in this population obviously because of cognitive loading and stuff is, is so high um and yes yeah, some, some really interesting stuff uh kind of fell fell out of that uh, and as, as George was saying, that's that's definitely an area we're gonna. We we kind of thought we probably would look at some of that stuff before the conference, but that kind of cemented it as yeah. That, that's an area we really need to explore and, and kind of push further. So if there's anybody listening who uh, who's part of that that air crew, be it fast jet, um, whatever you guys call kind of tankers and cargo things like that, or even civilian aviation or the rotary world, um, and you're kind of interested in in get involved with this project or you've got some ideas, please shoot us an email yeah. and we can, yeah, we'd, we'd love to talk further with you. It'd be really cool. Yeah. And one thing I re- before we move on and continuing on, one thing I really want to point out was this idea that, um, air crewmen don't need to be super aerobic. And as everyone knows, the world that I come from being highly aerobic and having the efficiency of the aerobic system is super healthy for you. Well, unfortunately for individuals at this particular job, having a massive aerobic system actually is detrimental to their job. Yeah, it's a, re- a really and that interesting was, kind of like paradigm, isn't I it? I was, do but when I made when I started looking into it and started thinking, I was like, no, that makes fucking complete sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds of it because I think we're going to go ahead and do like YouTube content on it. And this is some of the project we're going to be moving forward. But this idea of having the blood vessels, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, 
too elastic is is the right wording I want to say for that. Yeah. So right, let me let me start a stopwatch. I'm going to see if I can. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can do this in under like maybe under three minutes. Here's my here's my here comes I'm pinky. Here's the brain. Here you go, guys. <laughs> hey, no pressure. Right. So so the. If if you think more fast jet, so think Top Gun, like screaming around the skies, pulling lots of lots of high G force maneuvers. Essentially, what happens is uh, as you as you, your body kind of gets, um, uh, particularly if, if you're if you're kind of going up, if you like, um, the body moves and the the blood doesn't so much. Now, as humans, we need to keep obviously plenty of blood in the brain otherwise we get lack of oxygen and that's where we can kind of black out and that's where the, the term that george mentioned before g-lock so that's gravitation induced loss loss of consciousness that's loc so that's when we're not getting enough oxygen by the way of blood to the brain so classically what what happens is the um the blood kind of sinks down into the legs just through the through kind of the, the weight and the pull of gravity uh, and then not having enough oxygen, that's where we, we kind of lose consciousness. Um, advances in technology means we have kind of what's called a G-suit, which basically squeezes really hard in the legs to help mitigate that, to help prevent that. But it's definitely still a, a, a problem and an issue that, that aircrew face, um, particularly with advances in jet technology that allows the, the jet to pull more and more G-force. The human becomes more and more of a limiting factor in that equation. Um, so... To kind of go back to what George was saying about the aerobic side of things, it's it's not it's not being aerobically fit per se that's the issue. It's some of the secondary effects of that. So in in someone who's um, let's use running as an example, someone who's very aerobically fit and a, a good runner, typically they'll see they'll have less muscle mass in their lower legs, so in their calf and in their quad and hamstring. We know that's an advantage in running because it means your legs are lighter and you can go faster. But they'll also have, um, as, as George said, increased kind of elasticity uh, of, of blood vessels. So they'll have more blood vessels and increased elasticity of it. Now, the problem with that is as the as the weight of the blood starts to drive down into the blood vessels, what, what effectively happens is the, the vessels expand and kind of uh, like hold on to that blood, if you like, rather than um, being quote unquote stiffer. And we're not kind of talking atherosclerosis and disease we're talking about um kind of less elastic tissue um it means the blood can effectively pool in the legs which then is is kind of where it sits whereas if you have more musculature in your lower leg and less elasticity that's less likely to happen so the the blood is more likely to stay kind of in the rest of the the, the torso and the and the brain hopefully Correct. i came what in on time there bro that was awesome <laughs> we'll, we'll break Thank this you. down properly when we when we come to do some further content Definitely. But the one reason why I want to bring that out is just because of the fact that it goes ahead and highlights this idea that it, when it comes to sports-specific style training programs, a fighter pilot gel it, or a fighter, pite, a fighter pilot doesn't need to be super aerobic, but they also don't need to be super um, strong at the same time, right? And we've seen this when we go to look at and read research. There's been research showing like, hey if you are too strong and you have no aerobic system, what happens to the, elect the electricity of the blood vessels? It starts to restrict not being able to get the blood to the system. If you have too much aerobic system, we end up seeing the blood vessels expand quite quickly. And again, when you go ahead and look at G-forces, when someone takes a hard left, a hard right, or if they're going up or going down, being able to have some of that restriction in the blood vessels allows for you to maintain blood and keep oxygen going to your brain. And and that was just like a boom. Mm. 
definitely like and it connected so many dots for me and it was like fuck why are we not handling and fixing this like we have the capabilities to do so let's make it happen and like matt said like that pre-con they talked about some nutrition fatigue management they talked about increasing and and decreasing injury and and low back pain as well as this understanding of g-force and g-lock and man it's just like all right well we have the human performance team to go ahead and put some great information out about this air crewman aspect you know to where again no real left and right limits for us there's none whatsoever so it was it was really cool. Yeah. Last thing I was just going to say with this is, is one of the, one of the big issues that, that I found personally with, with working with some of the guys at home was, was just kind of crossing that culture boundary because obviously we're, we're kind of presented with uh, like best practice, ev- like with evidence and best practice research and things like that, showing these things in a lab environment. But it's really difficult when you, you approach a, a squadron of, of fast jet pilots where completing an Ironman is like seen as the pinnacle of, of fitness. And that's what we need to like adhere to. And, and the culture is to go and run and cycle and swim for, for distance. And it's really hard to kind of figure out, like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. <laughs> you just need to think about the, the specificity. And, and that, that's where that education and ability to communicate, I think, is so important. But I already see how I'd approach someone. If I had a fighter pipe gelic come up to me and he was like, hey, man, I want to run an Ironman, but this is my flight schedule and this is what I'm doing. It's like, hey, man, like I'm all about it. Just understand that you're going to be doing a fuck ton of strength training on top of that from a lower body perspective to go ahead and help carry over into your job. Now, what does that do for him in, in the sport of Ironman? It only makes him faster. It only makes him more resilient and that much more efficient when it comes to the back end of those events. So again, it only caters into this idea of what we're doing here at Softly with this idea of concurrent strength and endurance training is completely different than what a lot of people are doing out there. When we go ahead and look at, you know, individuals like Alex Vieto who are working just specifically in the strength world and doing that. We're taking those kinds of principles and other principles that people have done, you know, like Paliquin, who's talked about strength and endurance, concurrent training, and how we should look at that. And it only carries over into educating those pilots and those air crewmen to be like, look, I support you fucking running an Ironman and doing those things. But if you're if your training volume as a pilot, especially is going to be super high, and you're going to be doing some quite high risk maneuvers, then maybe we need to cut back some of that endurance work for the next couple of weeks and we just increase resistance training ultimately. So again, it's learning how to mitigate and manage how we go ahead and put this training programs in in there. And again, that's where we come in. We can talk theory all fucking day, but we actually can actually we can actually implement and apply these theories to real life situations and come back and be like, look, this is actually how we did it. We're still letting guys still go do their things, but look what's happening. Why? Because we ha- handled a balance of strength and conditioning for them. So again, it opens the door, man, for a lot of things for us. I'm super excited about that. And and that was a big piece for for Matt and I, you know, in that in that that first day because that was all it was, and we got to sit and conversate about those things, which you know led into the next the next few days of some really great lectures. And we're not going to talk about every single lecture that that was there, just ones that stood out to us, ones that Matt enjoyed, the ones that I enjoyed, and and things that we were like, all right, you know, where can we see some holes in this to go ahead and help develop something you know, down the road to only collaborate and make it that much better for everybody. And, you know, one of the individuals that I want to go and talk about is Dr. Jay Dwayne's is I think I said that. Uh, right? Jay Dawes, um, yeah, Dr. Dawes. Dr. Dawes, you know, who won tactical strength conditioning professional of the year for 2021. And I was introduced to him through Matt when we took uh, his online 
Oklahoma State University Tactical Conference early in the year. And we were the only dudes from, like, I think we're the only, like, I don't know, I, there was other people on there, but I think it was more from his school. I think we were the ones that were kind of outside the realm and in there, and he he loved it. He remembered who we were. We conversated with him, and that kind of led into Mark Stevenson's um, cognitive you know, foundations and loading for the tactical professional because Jay's the one that introduced him and they were together. We were in the back able to talk to Jay while that was going on, ask some questions through him. He's worked really close with Rob Orr. I mean, the connections were just like, all right, cool. They know like we can have these conversations with these guys. And that was something that, you know, I was really impressed about when we go ahead and look at the idea of cognitive loading, because what are we doing with the company right now? Yeah, so that, that there was kind of a couple of key themes I thought that came out of the the week, and and one of them was certainly starting to look more at the the mental side of the house. So in terms of managing mental health long term, but also the like eyes off and and kind of um, like arousal control, cognitive loading, and they're they're things we've been playing around with for probably the last kind of nine months or so. I know you a little bit longer, George, um, and and kind of experimenting with things, sort of finding success. Um, but not really hearing too much else about it. Uh, and to, to come to this conference and, and hear that that's a real hot topic and kind of an area of, of a lot of research and sort of the direction that the field is going in was, uh, yeah, it was kind of a, ni- a nice validation, if you like. It was nice to know, okay, yeah, we're, we're kind of, we're not the crazy people, we're on the right lines. Um, and uh, particularly, as George was saying, particularly when it's it's coming from people who are as well kind of established and, and respected in the field like Mark and, and Dr. Dawes, um, it was, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was really cool. And, and again, it wasn't, there wasn't nothing new that we weren't doing. That was the cool part. And I'm not saying that from like a, you know, um, from like we can't do it better. No, it was really cool to go ahead and see it explain in a different way, meaning that we were able to take things from them and be like, okay, cool, we can add this into there. And, you know, the the idea behind the rationale of improving decision-making, problem-solving, and reducing error rates, as well as, you know, creating something under pressure. Yeah. And, um, right? Like we, we know that like from a, whether you term it strength and conditioning, whether whether it's kind of human performance, we know that the the role of that professional now, like needs to go beyond just, can you teach a back squat? Can you teach a power clean? Right. We can add so much more value to the, particularly to this space where we don't necessarily have the luxury of also having a sports psych, a nutritionist, a kind of like a, a med, a sports med team. Um, I, I think it almost kind of for most establishments falls more on the, the strength and conditioning coach or the human performance coach. Um, and yeah, to be able to, to be able to be kind of, already have some momentum in that space was was really exciting it's really cool it yeah it was very exciting and and again you know we got to see some other types of cognitive and arousal style training and i got to participate in one Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got to see and feel one and again we've done similar things in our end but uh brent moore he's actually with t3i he's he's the human performance director for t3i and you know He's been doing the game for quite a while. He's been in it since 2004. He's been, you know... He's prior power rescue. Playing. Do I remember that right? Power, yeah, yeah he's, he's a prior prayer rescue. And, and he's just done a lot of great things. And he's been doing this now, you know, coming up on... In his job, he's been doing this close to like 15, 16 years. And it's always cool to see guys like that who are still sticking to the basics and the fundamentals of overall strength conditioning principles and training. And he kind of 
apply that to his performance psychology presentation in terms of arousal control and training. And he ended up having, um, he has this term called thread the needle, which is a, an arousal control to focus on dexterity, right? Meaning and in, in that like fine motor skills, meaning can, can I put the thread through the needle with the elevated heart rate? And how do I go ahead and mitigate my heart rate to where I can actually fulfill that task? And then the other one was Jenga, meaning, hey, you have 10 pieces, 10 blocks that you got to take out in 30 seconds. Well, before he has you do any of these things, he's going to go ahead and increase heart rate and have you do something. And the gun hole guy I am, I was jumped up right away because, again, someone that I like, I, I honestly, it was like really cool to hear this coming from someone who's done similar things as I have and, and in that same path. There's not very many guys who've done the job going through school, getting that and getting into the realm of psychology. So it was really cool to kind of hear him present uh, his presentation. But he had us do, it was like um, push-ups, mountain climbers, air squats, and iron mics. And he just called it for 90 seconds. And then at that 90 seconds, he was like, all right, now go do your thing. Go do your your cognitive exercise. And mine was Jenga, so I had to get 10 pieces out in, in 30 seconds. And right away, I went straight to it, and I pulled one from the top and everything else. He's like, hey, you can't be doing that. You know, like, you never played Jenga before? And it was one of those things, like, hey, man, like, I work smarter, not harder. You didn't give me specific... <laughs> task to go ahead you just said get 10 pieces off so i did that but again it was it was funny it was fun to do and as i started putting pieces back in you know it got to a point to where you know as i got to that eighth or ninth piece you know i started taking pieces out prior to that it only made it in uh that much more unstable so when i pulled that eighth piece out it actually fell i was going to say like just to kind of set the scene for the guys listening how so obviously your heart rate was was pretty high like when you went over to the 160 for sure what like what do you notice with your hands and with kind of things like that? Was oh, that's a good question. And when I, you know, obviously first when I got there, it was one don't look like an asshole, <laughs> right? In front, in front of a couple hundred people. Yeah, in front of a couple hundred people. But the second was was like, all right, cool. I've played Jenga before. I've I've known how to lower my arousal. I know how to control my arousal state. I know how to lower my heart rate. So it kind of was like, all right, let me kick it to like as I'm walking over there, I'm exhaling, trying to get my heart rate down. And realistically, my arms were fatigued from all the push-ups. Yeah. I did a fuck ton of push-ups. So I had no real like um my reaction time in, in how I wanted to do things was a little slower because my my arms were heavier from doing all the push-ups. So ultimately that was, you know the big point of that was like, oh crap, like I'm telling my brain to do something and there's slightly a small delay to where by the time I'm trying to make that adjustment, it's too late already, which is a, a great insight to kind of how an individual would actually approach a cognitive exercise in a workout, you know, and I got to, you know, bring that into a class that I taught the other day where it was like, hey, you're going to go and do a Kim's game, math, uh, number pa uh, patterning, and then uh, mathematics. And it was really cool to see that also you know, not, and see that happen in terms of like, oh, cool. As the rounds got further in, you started seeing more errors happen and all those other good things. So that's a marker right there in which like, okay, cool. We'll come retest this again, let's say in six weeks. And when did you actually start to create errors down the road? Was it further or was it less? And that was a really cool thing of like, okay, how do we measure yeah. that? And that's what I came from. That was that feeling awareness was like, oh, this is how I can measure mm. this. It also gave me that association of the error. That's cool. And, and a quick shout out for, for those of you guys who, who don't follow it or aren't familiar with it. Um, within the, the free programming that we, we put out on Instagram, the, the cognitive loading piece has actually been something that we've been um, kind of pushing probably for the last few months now. Uh, like I said, it's something we've been we've been kind of sitting on and, and working with for a little while. Um, but yeah, over the last few months, it's it's creeping, it's making its way into 
into the uh, the Instagram stuff. So if you if you want to try something like that, definitely go check it out. There's some um, yeah, there's some cheeky challenges in there for sure. A hundred percent. And I think the next big conversation that was had was with Dr. Andrew Thompson. He was. He was, uh, he's been working, I believe with the Marine Corps quite a bit over at West Virginia in terms of how to utilize, I guess, technology to go yeah. ahead and mitigate injury prevention. Yeah, so that, that was another, so just, just like the kind of the cognitive loading piece was one of the themes that seemed to run through the, the conference. Another one was this idea of kind of utilizing big data analytics and, and sort of machine learning to be able to, um, potentially predict injury risk or performance um, in, and, and then kind of construct programming based off that. Um, and it was, it, again, it was, it was some, some really interesting content um, in terms of the sort of the way they were, they were using technology to aid and assist the coach rather than it being um, like kind of like a, a coach or computer type situation. Um, and and yeah. again, for, for us, it was super relevant with, with kind of some of the projects we've got on the, in, on the back burner with the, with new app and things like that, um, really relevant and, and kind of quite a lot, quite a lot of stuff to, to learn. Um, and also really exciting to kind of know that this guy's at the, the top of his game, um, in, in terms of what he does and, and we're doing things that are, that are kind of very similar. Um, so that was that was super exciting. But again, really personable guy, really nice. We had a, a chat with him offline as well. Um, so definitely, yeah. definitely which was, to follow. Dude, which was super, super insightful. I mean, you know, I've been tracking. I mean, that was this conversation we got into was talking about HRV and resting heart rate because that's what he he was talking a lot about. And I got into the ideas like, well, what are you doing to go ahead and see precursors to injury risk or potential, you know, uh, sicknesses. And I was like, you know, I've been doing a lot of the LFHF ratios and that balance between that. And he was like, I actually have just changed the way I actually view that over the past couple of years. And I've actually gone to look at the LF, I believe, and the power ratio um, within HRV to go ahead and explain how that goes. And I could be, I believe that's correct. Cause he said that HF carries multiple different signals in it. And it's hard to go ahead and get a real reading off of it. But LF is the most uh, variable there with uh, with the power ratio of your LF and HF frequency as a whole. And, and, and again, that's another conversation to go down, but that was something that, you know, I was like, holy cow, like this guy just gave me a key to something and I need to go ahead and put this in my back pocket and continue utilizing that because with our case study right now, I mean, I got to show this to one of the guys that we did a podcast with named John. He's a strength and conditioning coach down in Germany with one of the mountain groups out there. And, uh, you know, we're using our case study and, and, the questions that we got asked about our case study, because we we introduced it as well, they're like, "Well, it sounds very subjective." Is 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 was was the response from a few people, and the answer right away was, "Well, to go ahead and turn this subjective case study that you think it is, I'm going to go ahead and show you what long term effects actually do when someone's consistent," and that's the reason why. And we showed this three month case study that we've been doing for the past three months. We did eight weeks of observation with them now we're in another now we're in a non-observation period and all we've seen with our current case study chris who's been on the podcast as well is when he first came to us his hrv was quite low and his resting heart rate was high over the past three months we've seen them sh shift meaning the hrv has slightly climbed and gotten really good and he's now balanced and baseline and his resting heart rate has decreased and what has he been doing within that he's still running his job he's still doing he's still you know 
living his life as a husband and a father, but he also had some major transitions from leaving one unit to the next and having to one on-ramp a new guy and then put himself in a position to be on-ramped. And we're still seeing great things there. And again, that doesn't come from a fucking training program. That comes from the awareness of how do I go ahead and mitigate my day-to-day stressors to allow for me to go ahead and be this high-performing individual in my job. And that was another big thing that we found from Dr. Andrew Thompson's you know, presentation was like, if we collect data, we then can put numbers and patterns together for us to allow to share these things over time to where other individuals don't have to utilize the data all the time and they can just create that feeling aspect which we talked about in the CNS podcast as well. So again, I'm super excited about that. Um, you know, and, and again, the overarching themes that really kind of came to us was, you know, this this biopsychosocial model from, you know, a psychological, physiological to a social support aspect. And the next one that we, we, we really are going to hit on next is a lecture that Matt got to sit on. I went to another one to look at how um, strength conditioning coaches are taking athletes from, you know, the injured profile all the way back to being ready. And that was a really good conversation. And I think something we can have down the road because we can get those guys on the podcast and talk about that. And that's Derek and Paul over at Fort Polk as a strength conditioning coaches. But Matt came to me with, with the biggest smile and he was like, mate, mate, you don't even want to believe everything you are doing and we are doing is literally what she just talked about. And it was literally the conscious warrior system, but in a different way, right? She called it thriveology. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was certainly uncanny. Uh, again, another, another PhD, another, uh, another lady who's like absolutely top of her, her field currently working with Seattle fire. Um, and as, as George was kind of describing, she, she essentially presented the, like every conversation that me and George had over the last, over the last kind of six months. Um, in in terms of like building this this conscious warrior system out um with kind of slightly different terminology and slightly different application obviously with the with the fire being so specific um but yet again really really interesting to to kind of um hear that all all the all the hard work george has been putting on like the sports psych side of the house is exactly like to the letter almost where we should be going and current best practice. Um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely a nice, nice kind of pat on the back for him. I think that was, that was really cool. Um, well, it was, it was a lot of the idea of like when, when, when I went and looked at the PowerPoint and we started conversating about it afterwards and we did our debrief, it just came down to again, like, all right, she's doing this work in the fire department to help these firefighters out, which these guys are at a high risk, um, at all times, their stress is through the roof. They're having to bounce back and forth. And this is why, again, having this type of framework or foundation to go ahead and help the mind and the brain recover to go ahead and be ready to rock and roll from a body standpoint to do their job matters so much. And I, it's funny, Matt, I actually went to the library yesterday. I'm always at the library, I guess. But I just got a new book, and it's actually called The Brain's Way of Healing. Okay. And it's by... I'm scribbling as we as we talk now. I'll yeah. be in the show notes. And I'm actually really interested to dive into it just because of the fact it just gives a better understanding of neuroplasticity and how we can actually use the brain to heal um, brain illnesses. And it's actually legit things that we're seeing from that. And one of the big things that I took from the book so far, but then also the stuff that we're doing here, is this idea of breath work, positive self-talk, and visualization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, and, and, and the idea behind that is like, all right. And when I say visualization and 
it's not about like, oh, I need to run through the house and do X, Y, and Z. I need to go ahead and tie this knot. No, it's like, how do you go ahead and visualize in your head to bring you down from a high stress environment? Or how do you utilize a visualization to get you up for a high stress environment, as well as like what breathing work can you do to pair those things to go ahead, again, manage and control the central nervous system. And that again is ultimately when we go back to look at the conscious warrior system, all we're really doing is trying to teach you how to manipulate stress so that it works for you. Yeah. And that was the biggest part that we saw again. And, and those, those tools talking are about. hugely powerful, particularly within our population, because they're largely free, if not very, very cheap. And they're they're so accessible. You can kind of do them near enough everywhere um, and don't actually require that much training and education. And it's something that like the, uh, the benefits are just exponential the longer you do them. Um, so if we can, and again, this is kind of another, another project that's, that's ongoing with us at the moment. If <laughs> the earlier we can get this stuff embedded, the more kind of normalized it will become in the military and, and kind of other tactical spaces. And, uh, and hopefully like, It'll, it'll start to sort of mitigate some of those issues we're, we're seeing downstream. Um, correct, correct, it, 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 which is awesome, yeah. I, I think is great. And it kind of leads into the next conversation that, that you know, we've had as well out there during the week, and it's based off some of these lectures, and it was um, how do we go ahead and train the, the female warfighter to go ahead and stay resilient and have the longevity and a career of doing that job? And again, do I think that female athletes can go ahead and go do special operations type jobs? hundred percent, but it takes a special type of individual. And those are the conversations that we had. I mean, we had dinner with one of the nine only SWAT ladies in the, in the bureau who's followed softly's programming, yeah, she was who's badass. like utilize a do straight up, straight <laughs> up. Like I <laughs> super cool, super badass. But you know, the reason why I'm bringing this up and going into this realm of considering the female warfighter or the female tactical professional is that it, yes, do we know that from a biomechanics and a physiological standpoint, a biological standpoint, they're fucking completely different than a male? A hundred percent. But what's not different is the brain, right? Now, the way they perceive life is a lot different than we do. So we gotta go ahead and learn how to go ahead and improve the resiliency from a mental standpoint. And the conversation that we had at dinner was, she came and she was like, she was following, she had to get, oh, she was prepping for her selection to get ready to take the test. And she had to get her like mile and a half time down below 10 minutes or whatever else. And this individual, I'm not gonna use her name, just to keep her, uh, keep her, keep from her safe. You. Correct, pretty <laughs> much. She came to me as a weightlifter. And she came to softly as a weightlifter. She she came from that world of just pure high volume, high intensity um, training to where she really didn't have a massive aerobic base on there. And again, something we've done at softly really well is taking these powerful athletes and make them more enduring by increasing other weaknesses that they have. And the biggest thing for her was the idea that I've been running this specific percentages, this this RPE for the past however many blocks, and you know she's been tied to like you know her heart rate monitor. She's been tied to the programming where we haven't let her go, and you know she emailed me and was like, "Hey, dude, how do I?" Oh no, actually she emailed me and then we jumped on a phone call, and she was like, "Hey, what do I do? You know, how am I going to go ahead and pass this test? I, I've been running ten thirties or whatever else for this mile and a half or something like that," and I was like, "Well." Just don't time it, cover it up, right? Don't time your run, just go after it. And, and she right away was in, in that conversation at dinner, she was like, and I ran a 9.32, mile and a half. 
And that just goes to show right there how much of the resistance is from a mental standpoint, especially for females. And that was one thing that Ryan talked about was like, how do we get the, 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 the female tax professional to eat more to sustain her job? Yeah. Right. Especially when she's doing something with the ruck on or she's in a combat armed school or she's now being a part of a FET team, right? Female engagement team in Afghanistan and Iraq or on a deployment like that. Those things matter as well as breaking it down into the idea of menstrual cycles. And what does that menstrual cycle do to a tactical professional from a female's perspective psychologically? We know what happens to her from a physiological standpoint, but how do we go ahead and create a different way they view that stress so that they can go ahead and keep moving forward in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's almost, um, it's almost kind of, we need to maybe updates the wrong word, but, but keep like a really fluid concept about the way we, the way we're training individuals. So not just like a male female split, um, but maybe training people from different backgrounds and different training ages and things like that. Having classically within the, the tactical space, um, I'm hoping this isn't going to open up like a whole rabbit hole. I'll try and keep it concise. But classically within the tactical space, training has been very output derived. In order to graduate from this course or this class, you need to hit X, Y, and Z standards. Um, And to do that, you need to run at this pace this many times a week and do this number of push-ups. And and that kind of works really well when when you're taking the same group of people through where we start to kind of come unstuck is if you've got people from who are entering uh, entering that kind of system at different standards or different capacities, then putting them through the same kind of cookie cutter approach. Obviously, you're gonna you're gonna have issues. It's gonna work really well for some, but there's definitely gonna be some kind of outliers where it's not as effective. So I think it almost comes down to this idea of kind of questioning and changing our approach to training and making it more kind of individualized and, and, and personal. And that's difficult when you've got like the massive numbers and the pace that we have, particularly within the military. Um, but I'm hoping that's kind of where with like the work of, of Dr. Thompson, I'm hoping that's where we can kind of lean on technology a little bit as a force multiplier. Um, so I, I think this is going to be a really interesting sort of area for the for the sector over the next five ten years particularly as we start getting more more females into frontline roles and things like that um and it's definitely an area where we can learn from from the collegiate and the professional world who are already very yeah. experienced in with working with females. arguably from like uh um like these guys are all kind of genetic freaks top one percent but but they're, they're still kind of used to um kind of tweaking their their way of doing things to fit the athlete rather than the other way around and I think a lot of that comes down to this, man. And I think it just comes down to how mentally resilient are you as a female to be able to handle the energy output and the standards that are required to go ahead and work within those combat roles. That is ultimately uh, the biggest piece there to go ahead and do. You know, yes, you know, something I took away from that was like, hey, females should be increasing vitamin D and calcium. They should be taking that, right? Makes sense. What are we seeing? We're seeing a lot of bone stress fractures from lower extremities, back, hip problems. Okay, cool, we know that. Well, then what else do we need to go? We, we know we need to strengthen those things. Well, how about from a nutritional standpoint and a psychological standpoint, when you're like in a school like OCS or you're in a school like Ranger School or Navy or at BUDS or at Recon School, how do you go ahead and fuel yourself, not just from a physical standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint, meaning like I need to eat more than just what this plate's on, what's on my plate. I need to add more to it so I can go ahead and not be at a deficit because we already know females are coming at a deficit in that world 
as it is. And again, I tell you this, man, I'll be the first one to tell you, women are one of the, are some of the most fucking strongest, powerful women. They give life and they can take that motherfucker. They create water and they create fire. But ultimately it's like, okay, how do we go ahead and bridge that gap? And I think a lot of it comes down to this idea of conversations of how do we perceive specific stressors so that they can manage energy output to handle specific standards in which they might see down the road as a tactical professional. And not letting peers, um, peers peer pressure them and being like, why are you eating that way? Or why are you training that way? Or why are you doing this? You have to understand it's a from context. Well, I'm coming doing something completely different than yeah, you kind are of addressing in the cultural norms almost. Yeah. Correct. And again, that's the overarching theme here. So again, it was awesome to hear that conversation, to listen to Ryan kind of put out some ideas from there and 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 share that. And it's something that, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you, I've worked with a fuck ton of female athletes since the start of my strength conditioning career. I've helped female athletes from the CrossFit world go and do some really cool things at high levels to regionals, making it to the games. I've helped individuals compete at high level international weightlifting meets. I've helped individuals in the ultra endurance world. I've helped individuals, you know, from the female side, get into the tactical strength world. If it's either border patrol, FBI, or if it's ultra, you know, those kinds of things. So again, I think we have a lot of evidence you know, backing to go ahead and start kind of applying and having a little bit more deeper conversations about this. So again, this past week was massive for us. You know, it was, it gave us, um, one, it gave us the fuel to go ahead and put the curtain back up, keep working and, and not try and become these like Instagram influencers or Instagram, like gun hole dudes on the, sh that are just trying to make a difference. Like that's not how we make a difference. So that was really cool. And, and, and lastly, one of the biggest dudes that, uh, that gave a presentation, oh, Jesus. Yeah. We sat at the front row for this as well. Intense. And I felt like I got, I felt like I got spit on a few times. <laughs> um, but his name is Major Donnie Bigham, and he talked a lot about sports specificity. I'm sorry, sports specificity for the tactical professional. Man, can he present and give a fucking speech? Oh, and can he breathe? Yeah. So, so just some some kind of background. So he, uh, I think he's one of the very few. He he was Marine, right, George? He was yeah. a Marine infantry so guy. He, he was infantry and enlisted every rank, enlisted and officer. Um, and simultaneously is a, was it a double world record holder in masters deadlift? Something like that. Correct. Yeah. Something like, like that in back squat. If you, that would be a bad day if you were on the wrong end of a bollocking in that man's office. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't need the microphone, but, put it that way. A hundred percent. And, and he also served in the army mm. Yeah, <laughs> as well. So this dude's been doing the game for quite a while and man, I loved his lecture. He couldn't have been more spot on. I and mean, it gives me goosebumps that someone of that caliber was able to go ahead and break it down from, from a macro aspect to a micro aspect and being, well, you now have someone who is on a CQB team and they got to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Why are we not training them that way? Oh, you got someone who's on a mountain team. Why are they not training this specific way? Because that's their specificity. Why are we not doing X, Y, and, and it was just like, thank fucking God that we have someone at such a level at that experience. I was just going to say pushing that. Yeah, someone fighting what we talk a lot about. Yeah. Correct. So where it just comes in and man, it, it he just again blew my mind. And and it wasn't that he blew my mind because I didn't I didn't know something. It was the fact and how he articulated and utilized the vocabulary to go from sport to tactical to allow for him to get his 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 ideas across because again He's theory-based and and he has very practical application-based because he's seen these things work as being a strength conditioning coach at a lot of these units. And he actually he was one of the first uh, – he helped stand up the front of the first human performance army uh, 
uh, strength and conditioning units there, and he's only helped on-ramp guys coming into that position. I mean, the way he ran and how he talked about setting up training for the tactical professional was very much like running a fucking football team through different types of uh, specialty pieces. The kickers are the kickers. The fucking O-lines with the O-lines. If you're a left tackle, you're with the left tackles. If you're a linebacker, you're working linebacker. And he broke this down for everybody. It was amazing. Yeah, but like, super, like George was saying, really, really easy to follow. Um, and, and just that like almost simplicity was the the bottom line, like making it applicable, Correct. making it work. Um, and he's he's um, currently finishing his PhD at the moment, so I, I would assume he's kind of looking to to go more into the the academic and the research world. So again, he's definitely going to be someone that I want to keep tabs on uh, personally and, and kind of professionally. I'd like to see where he goes with with his work because exactly as we we're always pushing it softly, it's this idea of kind of that unique perspective, having done the job, and then having the the kind of the the training and understanding to be able to ask and answer why so yeah that was for me that was kind of the one of the coolest uh talks of the the week he was yeah he was definitely yeah. definitely a big finisher yeah all right guys so let's be completely honest matt and i didn't sit in lectures all all for 12 hours nothing not just having these conversations with other people that were there especially individuals who have seen softly utilized softly or have athletes or tactical professionals utilizing softly within their their units and that was one of the very first things that we did and we'll go ahead and kind of go down the path of this but we ran into a guy named paul and derek uh two guys two individuals named paul and derek and they're both the strength conditioning coaches down at fort polk for that unit down there and and right away they were like oh softly we have guys using your stuff and it was like we're glad to put some faces to the app in that manner and luckily we got to sit down with them and joe uh, or and jason who is pretty much the the head guy for the TSAC arm. And we actually got to sit there and, you know, have some conversations with them where we really were able to solidify who we were as a company to those individuals. Because again, it's all about that buy-in and how do we go ahead and bring softly to go ahead and understand like, hey, we're not trying to take over the world. We're just trying to collaborate and only emphasize and elevate all of us. And that was a really cool thing to hear from them that they were really open to that. And they actually invited us out down there to come do some observations for a couple of days to see how they run things. And I thought that was super cool and super open. And that wasn't, they weren't the only individuals that we had conversations about those kinds of things or, Hey, we would love for you guys to come and hang out for a little bit and see what's going on here. So you guys can potentially write better programming for these guys. I was going to say and, everybody wins and do in that. that instance, don't they? Like, yeah, they're the professionals themselves. They, they kind of get some, hopefully some decent content. The, the coaches, it kind of increases the, the, the buy-in, the understanding in terms of what we can offer and, and what their athletes need. And, and selfishly, we learn a ton from speaking to these yeah. guys, seeing different perspectives and seeing how things work at, at different units. That's, and that was a big part, right? And I think Matt said this yesterday, we had, we did our debrief for our, our higher command and before the show we talked about, it, it's like, how do we go ahead and implement this, right? Because a lot of conversation we had with these coaches was like, some of them were like, I don't want to program no more. I've been programming for fucking 15 years. I don't want to program. And I'm wondering, is that because you don't know how to program for the tactical professional or you're just at that point where you just want to coach on the floor? And Matt actually brought this idea up, was like, well, you have to understand, man, is like these guys are at that floor are trying to be a little bit more individualized, right? Like, hey, here it is. And it's like, well, maybe they start working with the individuals that are broken, that need help in, for specific things. And then the individuals who are, you know, healthy doing their things are following a softly program and they just make some adjustments. Those are the conversations we were having. And it was really cool to actually experience that and see that these guys are super open to being like, yeah, we don't give a fuck if they're following softly's programming. Like, as long as they're moving, we know it works. 
right? What we're trying to figure out is how do we go ahead and take those athletes who are following your programming and don't move as well, and how do we improve their uh, their sustainability and their their longevity over time? And that's where those guys come into play on the floor. And again, it's force multiplying. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah. No, I, I I completely agree. And that was one of the other big themes that came out of the week um, was the, the new H two F the Army H two F program. And again, I I don't want to kind of open up a whole another rabbit hole with this. But it, it seems like an awesome idea, um, and I, I think it's it's definitely the way that the big army has to go. Really, um, the sticking yep. point seems to be at the moment that the the coaches are just a little bit lost in terms of the the coach athlete ratio, um, where they're sort of one two coaches are dealing with up to like four or five thousand people in some instances. And I, yeah. I think just kind of making a dent in that is so hard. So exactly like George was saying, if if that's an opportunity for for us to act as a as a force multiplier, then yeah, that's that's brilliant. Um, we can definitely yeah definitely step up there. Yeah, and and so going into the next one, we end up running into a, a do from ANG F sixteen unit, and he's he actually has a wealth of fucking knowledge. I mean, oh, not just guy. from yeah, definitely going to be a podcast. Oh, well, if we can, if we can convince him, if we can kind of tear him away from his. Oh, brain. he was all about it. Yeah, we all see. We we asked him, and he said he was all about it. But we we had some really great conversations in terms of how do we go ahead and change um, the tactical culture in terms of the ideas of of building a, a stronger mental uh, defense, right? And it was like, well, we we. What's funny is we didn't go down the rap, rabbit hole of like how do we do these from a performance stand. It literally went into lifestyle and what it is our individuals utilizing to suppress and to feel to go ahead and complete their job. And his background is an addiction specialist. He's worked with numbers of individuals who had addictions for many years and he's helped do those. He's helped change their lives and he's trying to do that in that realm as well. And it's just really cool. And I think that he can bring a lot of value to the performance podcast as well as to the company. If we can get him, you know, on some YouTube content with Doug and everyone else to kind of start sharing that stuff about, how do we go ahead and mitigate addiction? How do we go to mitigate how we view training in terms of a tactical professional so that we can go ahead and have a longer sustainable lifestyle? So shout out to him as well as Vernon Griffin got to sit down with us for lunch and we had some hot wings and and enjoyed a nice conversation with him. You know, that was one of our first uh, times actually, actually pitching our current seminar. And I think we did a great job in sharing that information with him. I, he was one, I feel like not speechless, but he was just like, wow, um, fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so again, like, uh, another example really of, of just of the, the type of individuals that are in this community. So super sharp, really switched on, really kind of dialed into what he's doing, but so humble and approachable. Um, so, so real pleasure kind of chatting, chatting with him and just getting his perspective, um, yep. in, in terms of like the, the things he's doing at the moment, a, a pretty high kind of high performance, top tier uh, yeah, so, yeah so to like to get insight from from someone operating it at that level was was really cool yeah and if you guys haven't listened to the podcast we've done one with him with done one with him in the past uh we talked a lot about foot and movement aspects um with him and i, I think we need to go ahead and bring him back on and kind of dive into some of the other things he's doing because he's he's really breaking the game not just in the tactical world but also in terms of this collegiate and pro world working with these individuals to make them um that much more resilient, you know, as a whole. And then the next two people, we got to have dinner with these two lovely human beings, Kelsey and Jinoff, uh, or Gio is what I go ahead and, 
and refer him to. And Kelsey, she's a strength conditioning door, uh, coach down at Fort Campbell, I believe. Um, I, I think, yeah, she's out of Kansas, yeah, I, I think, think so. so. Yeah, she's working down there with a, a unit, and she's utilized Softleet stuff. Softleet athletes are utilizing our stuff under her command. And it's been really cool to kind of have those conversations and be in contact with her over the past year or so. And we've had conversations via telephone just because she saw Softleet, listened to the podcast, and that was really good. Gio, he's working on his PhD right now and, and doing some really great things. And he's another dude, another dude who's done the job. He's had multiple deployments. I think he said he had like almost like eight deployments or something like that. He was quite a bit. He had a few as a, as a military guy and then got out and did some contracting. And, you know, he's really also trying to change the way how we view train the tactical professional because he's done the job. And we had some great conversations at dinner and it, it was just a lot about, you know, not the professional in terms of like, how do we make them better in terms of performance, but how do we make them better as a human, right? When we have to detach from specific traumas and how do we go ahead and learn to not sit there and suppress with booze and suppress with drugs and and do that. And that was a really good conversation to have with them. And, and I appreciate their time and them sitting down with dinner with us and having legit, genuine conversations. So if you guys are listening to it, thank you so much. As far as... Uh, Diana is, I believe, is, I'm probably going to butcher that, but she's actually one of the main nutritionist dietitians over at Fort Bragg, and I already reached out to her yesterday, and she's going to be coming on with a Zoom call potentially here soon. We'll schedule that out to allow for us to um, collaborate because she has a decade of experience in the world of diet, nutrition and diet and, and being a dietitian, and that there brings a lot to us, mm. right? She she can bring a lot to the table, and, and I'm excited to kind of hear her perspective on how she views training the tactical professional. I think we have a lot of parallels in common. And then all, another person, Sarah Lockhead, who out of uh, she was an athletic trainer out of OCS, and again, same thing, super open, and was like, all right, we need help. How do we go ahead and better these these female athletes as, and the female tactical professionals as well as the males because of the injury rates she's seeing, and a lot of the injury rates and similar injuries are coming from the same thing we're seeing in the basic recruit aspect of of lower body extremity injuries low fitness levels um lack of mental resiliency they're very unhealthy in terms of eating utilizing you know tobacco and doing all these things they're seeing similar aspects here and learning how to do that so again there's a lot of great conversations that we got out of there and i'm pretty sure if we missed anybody you know we're going to bring you on the podcast. And that last individual that I want to give a shout out to was Mark, was Mark uh, Brennan, Brennan, I believe. And he was the head of human performance strength and conditioning coach over at the Air Force Special Warfare Schoolhouse down in San Antonio. And man, we had an awesome conversation and evening with him. It was just us three had just gotten done with a big day. He just got done giving his lecture. And he was like, I don't want to be around everyone, you know, and, and pounding and, and doing that. And we're like, all right, well, let's just have some dinner, man. And just have a conversation. And we really got into the topic of uh, creating a very good culture as a tactical strength conditioning coach in that realm. And one of the things that he he gave a lot of good stories and insights to the things that he was doing to go ahead and, and create that buy-in and develop the respect of these tactical professionals, especially guys going to the schoolhouse, meaning my saying is never be a studio gangster. And he laughed about that because he got it, right? He was like, hey, he told his guys, I'm never gonna make you do something I can't do. And it was something I used to tell my students at the schoolhouse. So there was a, he had him doing like underwater crossovers, I think on the 90, on the 90 seconds. And one of the, one of the studs was like, coach, can you do that? And they didn't know his background yet at the time period. He had just gotten to the unit, I think a couple of weeks in. And he ended up doing, ended up doing like eight 
on the 90 seconds underwater crossovers and he completed all of them and they were like what the fuck he's like oh yeah by the way guys i told forgot to tell you i was a collegiate swimmer for however many years so and they're like what the shit man like you know but those are the cool things like use your experiences to go ahead and develop that rapport and that respect with the tactical professional that you're going to be working with because that was another conversation we went down was this idea of these strength conditioning coaches coming over from the collegiate world and the sport and the pro and the pro world and burning bridges with these tactical professionals because they can't have a different way of thinking or they're just not able to perform the job and don't really get it. So again, awesome conversations with everyone that past week. I mean, we had plenty of them. And again, we're looking to bring on quite a few of these individuals onto the podcast for you guys to really kind of get an understanding of what it is like to be in the trenches from a strength conditioning coach perspective because we found at this conference that that's kind of a hole that is missing to how do we create that bridge. And I, I believe we have a platform to do so and we're going to start doing that. And again, that's, we've talked a lot today. I mean, it's probably a little bit longer than a normal podcast, but you know, to, to kind of wrap it all up, we're going to go ahead and kind of fill you guys in like, you know, what's next, you know, and what does next year look like and how do we go ahead and get more individuals involved with this conversation? Yeah, definitely. Like in, in terms of, in terms of looking ahead to, to next year's event, um, if you're in any way connected or interested, we can't, uh, push and encourage you to to look at attending enough. Um, Mandy Nice and Jason Swallow, who were kind of in charge of organising the event, did an absolutely fantastic job. If that hadn't come across already, uh, so definitely, yeah, definitely check out uh, next year's event. I don't know whether we've had details. It's going to be in San Antonio, Texas. Nice, nice home. Homecoming for George. Yeah, I think it's going to be. August like 23rd and 24th. I saw the Perfect. dates or something like that for next year already. I saw them post something get about it, on, but it'll get be in on Texas. calendar already. San Antonio. Um, so yep. if the other, the only other thing I was going to say is if, if anybody's listening uh, to this podcast and you were there and we, we didn't manage to connect, um, genuinely, please reach out and, and get in touch um, with Matt at softly.com and George at softly.com. We're, we're always really keen to kind of engage in conversations, both with people from within this space and from outside. Um, and that can be as informal or as formal as, as you'd like from kind of a, a podcast to just us jumping on and, and chatting. We're, we're always really keen to learn as much as we possibly can and, and kind of share some of that knowledge and information. Um, and I know it's cliched, but we, we kind of like to like to remind ourselves that a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, in the, Correct. Like the more, the more we can, the more we can kind of collaborate across this community, the better that everybody can get. Um, and I think it's a really, really exciting time within tactical, particularly with the increased sort of focus and attention coming on it. Um, so it'll be, it'll be cool to see where it goes. Yeah, man, I'm excited about it. But till next time, guys, thank you for listening. And again, if you have any questions or topics or conversations you want us to cover, or again, like Matt said, if you feel like you want to come on and add some value to this, we are completely open to it. As well as keep your eye open for us starting to kind of open the curtain for a couple of other things that is going to be more Zoom-based and kind of bringing in that circle so we can go ahead and have more conversations with people throughout the next year. And potentially, you know, when we go to TSAC next year and we want to, if we do put up a booth and we have a, a presence of other strength conditioning coaches who have been involved with Softly from the outside in to go ahead and create a very strong rapport to go ahead and continue moving the, 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 the needle forward or the chains forward and how we want to look. So till next time, guys, thank you. And we'll check you soon.